welcome to Philosophy at the Movies, a podcast where we discuss themes in the history of philosophy through the medium of films. I'm Alex Baker, and joining me as always... Sean Baker. And today's topic is the 2015 film, Selfless. So this movie focuses on this wealthy New York real estate mogul. His name is Damien, and he is dying of cancer. He's been recently given a diagnosis of six months to live. And he, he, but he hears of this thing through his friend. It's called Shedding. And basically, there's this secret company, which if you're near death, you can have, you'll, if you die, they'll get rid of your old body, but transfer your consciousness into this younger body where you're able to live longer. And they, uh, they advertise it as being, uh, uh, being you're being tr- uh, uh, placed into a human body yes. that has been grown in, in, a, lab. in, in a lab. So uh, uh, allegedly there's less moral qualms with doing that. Than, yeah. uh, but that's the way it's advertised. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, And you have to stage your own death. So he goes through with it, he stages his own death, and he gets transferred into this much younger body. He's given a new identity, and he moves from New York to New Orleans. And first, he's really living it up. He's given this drug, they have to say, you have to take this drug, and we re- you have to visit us once a week to get this drug refilled, because yeah. the side effects are hallucinations. He originally starts getting them, but they say they're nothing. But he's originally he starts using it, and he meets a friend there named Anton, and they start going clubbing. He's sort of using it for selfish purposes. He's picking up all these women at nightclubs. He's partying. He's really living the life. But one day he forgets to take the pills and he suffers more hallucinations and they start seeming to be realistic. There's a daughter. There's a house somewhere next to a water tower with a pumpkin on it. Okay. Painted to look like a pumpkin on it. Yeah. And so he thinks that this isn't just hallucination. These feel like memories. So, but after so he tells them this, and he say, "Don't worry about it." You know, the main guys like, "Don't worry about it. They're just hallucinations. They're nothing different." But they say, "But we're gonna have to move you again to Hawaii." So, but during when they're about to move him, he sneaks out, hops on a different plane towards St. Louis because he figures out that water tower is at some small town in Missouri. Yep. He goes to the house and he sees this. He sees pictures of this of the body he's taking of this younger person and he's got the this daughter he's hallucinating about and this wife named madeline madeline and she come she's shocked because she sees him as mark her ex-husband who was a who was a served in the army in iraq and supposedly she thought he was dead but here he is and then he realizes slowly that this organization doesn't use these or bodies created in a lab that they use take these people kill them and then or not necessarily kill them but well the the interesting thing about the case is that uh mark did this voluntarily remember that there's some sort of a transaction that occurred between mark and albright who was actually dr jensen that's another Mm -hmm. twist we see here and we'll get to that i'm sure but um basically he he did it to raise funds to help his terminally ill or critically ill daughter be treated. And we see that, you know, later in the film, she's healthy again. So he actually volunteered for this. Yes. Yeah. And so, and then, so that's when um, Damien starts having second thoughts because then the, 
agency starts going after him, and then he realizes that the friend he had in New Orleans was a plant, Anton, and he apparently he's been apparently like a Russian soldier who's been going had went through that uh, procedure numerous times. Yes, and that's when he goes on the run, trying to stop this and get to the truth of everything. And that's just kind of when, at least for the movie, it really just sort of lost me because. I think it because it didn't get very good reviews. Audiences, there's not a huge amount of people that like it, and I can see why. Whatever interesting premises there were for this movie and these ideas, it just like you said. I, even when I've been recounting, I'm trying to remember it because like once it started getting into these endless amounts of gunfights and chases, it just my brain was on complete cruise control from there <laughs> on out. I could, I just kind of t- it took me out, and and even the action scenes weren't as, you know, interesting or well shot or choreographed or even something, you know, almost equally silly like we talked about earlier with Equilibrium. At least that stuff was somewhat memorable, even if it is ridiculous. Yeah. This one was just bland and I didn't really care for it. Yeah, um, it never, it, it, it decided, I think, probably against uh, making the film primarily uh, uh, interesting philosophical uh, mm-hmm. Examination. They they decided against that and give you bits and pieces of that and some of the dialogue that occurs. But uh, it looks like they decided to make it primarily a shoot 'em up action adventure chase film, which is unfortunate. And uh, uh, there were parts of it that I, I did like some of the fight yeah, scenes. This isn't but, a terrible it, movie. No, but it's just but, it's just it's forgettable for me. In, That's why I'm having trouble remembering everything in the movie. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, the interesting thing is Damien kind of inherits the motor skills, I guess, of Mark, right? So he's able to play basketball and he's able to fight and yeah, kill five or six. Badass, yeah, yeah. Right. You know, so that's kind of neat. And, and you, and you see that that apparently happened with Anton too, because, um, uh, he inherited the ability of the body, the, the guy's body who, who he took over, his athletic abilities, and so you know they're in New Orleans playing basketball. Um, so that's kind of neat. That's it's a little bit different than other films that toy with this premise. But yeah, I, I saw it as kind of a big missed opportunity uh, to really examine and, and have the uh, audience put themselves in the place of somebody that is in the situation that Damien is or uh, very or Damien or Mark, either one. I mean, you, you can kind of understand Mark's concern as a parent with wanting to save his child's life. And he's, he's so willing, he's so intent on doing that, that he's willing to sacrifice his own life, at least give away his own body in order to do that. That's understandable. And there's an element of that with his close friend, uh, Martin O'Neill, who has a small child that apparently uh, died, right? Uh, but was that this company was able to transfer his consciousness into another boy's body? He finds out later when Mark tells him, right, or uh, Damien tells him, you know, no, he 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 thought it was a test tube grown child as well. I would have loved to see them explore that character after that realization um have him somehow or another exploring with his wife oh my god what do we do now 
we have purchased our child's survival at the at the cost of the this mm-hmm. this original child being removed from his body because another premise of this film getting back to the the premise of the uh film uh the the the, the medicine that they're uh, told to take, they only give them seven pills at a time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is so that they can maintain control, that uh, Albright can keep an eye on, on people and make sure they take those things so it will suppress the memories of the original person. And in fact, suppress that original person. That original person is still in there. Yes, in which we see at the end as yeah. he's... Um Damien stops taking the medicine and let Mark resume the consciousness of his body and get back to normal. And he reunites with um, uh, Madeline and is able to get back back together. And it would would have been interesting to see that dilemma explored in the case of Martin and his kid. Because he knows. Martin Martin took steps to uh, figure out the formula of this medicine so that he could make his own and he could become independent of uh, the control of Albright. So he has as much medicine as he needs to continue to allow his son to survive in the body of that other person. Uh, they don't explore this. I mean, mm-hmm. those two parents would have to sit down and go, look, what, what we're doing, we're, we're purchasing our son's continued existence, his survival at at a, a kind of extermination of this other kid, would they discontinue the medicine mm-hmm. and allow that original kid to, kid to come back in the way that um, Damien did with it, with Mark? It's it's a different it's a child, right? Yeah. And uh, uh, it's parents and the, that special obligation you ha- have as parents to your own child put up against your obligation to this other child who's been, uh, to say the least, abused and in some kind of way murdered mm-hmm. for the benefit of your own. They don't even examine that. No, it's and that's just kind of where that and the predictability of the plot, because like you said, these twists, like the fact that his friend Anton at the basketball court is actually a plant with the company, and the fact that the main guy, the doctor... He is actually was that's somebody else's body, and he that's the the creator of this thing called shedding. That's actually you know this other guy, and just all yeah. those things I could see being telegraphed you, a mile away. You it could just really, really killed the investment in my story. The story you could really see uh, telegraphing in the case of Doctor Jensen, right? He's the guy that allegedly invented this technology, and we see him early on in the film. He's in a wheelchair. Uh, he's got some sort of motor control issues and clearly deteriorating. You knew as soon as you saw him introduced. Okay, he's the inventor. He's done this. He's yeah. shedded himself. I saw that one. I didn't quite see the Anton thing. I honestly didn't see that one. Oh. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. I, and I, even I, I could see his friend's involvement in the program, too. Yeah. So, but, um, uh, you know, it's, it's just kind of a shame they didn't. Uh, and this premise has been done before and better we've both seen the film from 1966 called seconds which starred rock hudson and was directed by frankenheimer who we previously talked about was seven days in may yes and it's this now he's not it's been a while since i've seen that movie but i believe it's just a guy going he's not dying i think he's just going through a midlife crisis basically yeah his life is just kind of he's is he strained from his wife and he just want he just wants to feel young again. Is that yes? It's a it's, very much uh, that thing is very much a product of the sixties. Yeah, he just wants to escape his 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 regular life. 
become another person. So uh, they 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 do that for him, and they also physically move him to a community of like people, literally like people mm-hmm. that have gone through the same procedure. And then he has second thoughts. Yes. Right. Yeah, and I think it's one of the funny, because um, that was when, it, when I saw reviews of this movie, and nearly every review brought up that movie, and one said it's so derivative they should have just called the movie Thirds. But um, one, <laughs> but actually there was one other movie, and I'll be surprised if you've heard of this one, or if anybody's heard of this one. But um, as far as like doing something to prolong the existence of people, there was a film from 1979 called Parts the Clonus Horror. And the only reason why I'm aware I've seen this movie because it was parodied on Mystery Science Theater. <laughs> it stars uh, Peter, Peter Graves is, is one of the main characters and Keenan Wynn. Now the basic story of that movie is there are these clones created in this like, you know... Um, lab area and they have this but they're not told they're clones and they're told they're basically they're at some point they're being gra- given graduation to move on to some other place but what they're really being do, done is killed off one of the guy escapes and then basically at the end we realize is that these people are created and they're they're fed certain things to be you know perfectly healthy when they get killed their organs are given to you know, politicians or something. Yes. The movie is awful. I mean, mean, there's a reason why it's on Mystery Science Theater 3000. There's a scene when you can clearly see a boom mic in the shot. It's bad. But that said, that was watching that, and I was reminded that it's taking that idea as well, and it goes at least in something of an interesting direction, where even though it is a lot of chases, and it's, it's one of the most 70s things you'll ever see, especially with the costumes and the designs and everything... But it was like I've seen this story before. Yes, taken in somewhat at least interesting directions. Yeah, it, it, that's an interesting one. Um, and that fact that you mention up mentioned clones being used basically for organ banks, um, it brings up another kind of missed opportunity with this because I know there's ongoing debate in uh, governments around the world and in the United States and different states. Uh, with regard to what exactly to do with regard to organ donation, because as you probably know, um, it's, it's, there's a chronic shortage of all kinds of organs all the time because not everybody you know, cl- clicks that particular box on their uh, driver's license when it comes up. Um, so there's a, a debate, an ongoing debate. It's been going on for a while about whether or not to incentivize organ donation monetarily and we see that here the monetary incentivization was strong enough for uh, mark to make this choice to basically do the uh, maximal organ donation his entire body Um, they don't really address that very much again here as well Uh, and you know it's a shame um, I would have liked to seen uh, perhaps a a conversation between Madeline and Mark at the end where he explains himself mm-hmm. why exactly he did what he did. Uh, I, I think it's probably Anna's too young a character to have that kind of conversation. Yeah, she's still unaware of what's going on. Yeah, much. And, and, and a similar sort of conversation between Martin O'Neill and his wife and perhaps Mark uh, or Damien at that point and uh, Madeline. It would have been very interesting to see all of them sit down and explain, you know, 
why this was done, why you would be tempted to do so, and so forth. Not addressed. I mean, they like I said, they, they decided to go action-adventure with this. And that, I think you could have mixed them both. I, I really do. And I think that I, that idea of, you know, because the thing is they want to keep, is that the justification they're saying, we have these great minds, but then they die. Yeah. If we want to keep them alive, what, imagine the good they could do. Yes. I think that's been talked about a lot is thinking, you know, what if we have these, you know, whether it's a great politician or a brilliant scientific mind, I think that is something people are thinking about. Like, what's a way to make them live longer if they live longer? You know, yeah. what, what, how when the world be a better place? I mean, it come, even comes down to like cryogenic of freezing. Yeah. But there's even like conspiracy theories. Like, you know, some people think the Nazis did that with Hitler and he's still alive somewhere. Yeah. It's, I mean, but there is that idea of keeping politi- important politicians yeah. and scientists alive. And it is like, what are the ethics in that as far as would we use it somebody's body or their organs or how would we do that to prolong their life yeah. even if they're reaching you know in their say their 70s or 80s yeah and there's science fiction stories along those lines too one that comes to mind is not a direct match but it's a very famous short story called the ones who walk away from omelas and it's it's uh typically used to illustrate a kind of interesting utilitarian uh trade-off and it, there's this, uh, and you can imagine it being applied to this kind of a situation where you have the technology, where theoretically at least you can move all of these uh, very influential and impactful people into new bodies at the cost of uh, basically killing the people that were originally in those bodies who maybe didn't have as much impact, right? And uh, in that story, it's kind of interesting. Um, this, uh, th- there's this utopian society, and, and Ursula Le Guin goes on page after page describing all the wonderful things this society has. I mean, it's not just simply a hedonistically fulfilling society, but it's got uh, amazing uh, levels of accomplishments and in intellectual and uh, 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 the business spheres and so forth, right? But they get this at the cost of... Uh, of and it's never quite explained how the mechanism works, but at the cost of putting uh, one child uh, in essentially a very small, ill-ventilated broom closet and neglecting that child. And it's, short story is interesting because kind of condition of living in the society is at some point in your life you have to go by that broom closet and look in and see what is required of your society to purchase what it has. And she says, most people walk by, they look, they accept it, and then they move on. But there are a few that walk by, look, and walk away from Omelas. Hmm. Yeah. And they could have explored that too with this kind of a technology in this film. Um, Again, through some sort of a dialogue and, that's, I think, why it is a disappointment, as you say. It, it's it's more of an action-adventure film, oddly enough, than a philosophical yeah. film. So that raises the question why exactly we're, we're talking about it on this podcast. But, um, but that's the thing. You know, action movies or sci-fi action movies in particular can have philosophical themes. And, yeah. you know, like we said, we just did that a couple 
couple episodes ago yeah. with Equilibrium. Equilibrium isn't perfect, and yeah, it's got dumb action, but there's still some I- interesting ideas in there to mine out and talk about. Or even, you know, Verhoeven is the king of that as far as sci-fi action with some philosophical themes. But in this one, they're just it's just more of the action thriller. And it, it yeah. like I think the main thing is they feel the, you know, the setup and the premise was interesting and disgusting in the first act or like 30 minutes of the movie. But then after that, it's just like, like you say, constant car chase after gunfight or after flamethrower fight. And yeah, it just, it just, it, it just lost all its momentum for me. Well, and, and, you know, it's like they tried to reintroduce the ethical uh, aspects of the, of the uh, premise from time to time, but very briefly Throughout the film, it wasn't just at the beginning. I mean, there is that discussion between O'Neill and uh, Mark when uh, O'Neill discovers that his kid is alive at, at the cost of uh, inhabiting some other kid's body, right? But they don't—they just don't develop that dialogue enough, and that's unlike the case with um, uh, Equilibrium. There mm-hmm. is enough, I think, yes. exploration of the philosophical issues in that film in the dialogue. They just like I guess I'm repeating what you said. They they purposefully made that decision to uh, concentrate more on the uh, conflict, and one of the less things, on the ideas. Yeah, and one of the things I thought was kind of interesting was that the fact that the body used the body of Mark, this man was a soldier. Mm-hmm. And you think if that if this technology is being used, how often would the bodies used be soldiers? You know, the people who are in you know the physical condition because of all the requirements go through in basic training, but the fact that if this was say is something sanctioned by the government and say we need the president to live longer because he's just been strick he or she's been just been stricken with this illness and we need that you know need new organs and you need like they're going to basically say you're a good soldier. You're going to be the guinea pig for this experiment. Yeah, but it was because it because he does it voluntarily because to the the money to go towards curing his daughter. That doesn't really it doesn't say that he was forced into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, circumstances forced him, perhaps, but not any overarching yeah, government force or anything. No, well, this isn't a yeah. government project. Um, but you, you you bring up a, a a premise that is interesting in that it is explored in in other. Films. I'm thinking another science fiction film, Source Code. Um, there's some interesting dialogue in that film with the man who is a soldier who's being required to work in the technology that's prevented, presented in that film. I won't go into it, but they do talk to him about, you know, you have a sworn duty to do what we are basically forcing you to do, um, even though he had no idea going in what what was involved um that one explores it much better i mean it's not the president here but it is an anti uh anti-terrorist organization that is able to through some time travel um circumvent and prevent attacks and they uh do it at the cost of having this one soldier basically doing reliving the same moment over and over again and then erasing from his memory that he ever did it and then having him do it again and again and again 
we see just maybe one mission of his, but it's unclear in that film how long he's been doing this. And then questions raised there is, is the government uh, abusing this man, uh, not informing him of what's going on, not living up to their stewardship responsibilities or their agreement with people that serve to treat them, you know, in a, in a fully uh, uh, respectable way. Um yeah, that that's not in this film either. <laughs> yeah. And one of the things I did notice, because the way um, Damien figures out that the Dr. Jensen was transferred into the other body, because he noticed the little mannerisms or something he has when he's touching his glasses, and the new guy, yeah. the new Dr. Jensen, he does the same thing. But when you get between um, Damien and Mark, they're between uh, Ben Kingsley, who plays the older man, and Ryan Reynolds, who's the newer one, there's no similar mannerisms. Yes. As far as, you know, Kingsley's rough kind of Bronx, New York accent, it doesn't translate at all into Reynolds. It's just a regular, you know, Midwestern American accent. And then they don't have any of the mannerisms. I mean, I guess you could kind of say they're both a little bit sarcastic and witty, but I don't, but that's Ryan Reynolds. That's why he got the j- job as Deadpool. So I don't really yeah. see that as like a connection between them. So I, that's one of the things I've, like, you could have done that. You could have had them work together and trying to get some way of playing off each other, but they didn't do that either. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, un- underdeveloped, and it, it's very subtle in the case of Albright and Jensen. You almost don't notice that. All right, I remember mm-hmm. that portion of the film. I had to rewind it and watch again about the glasses. Um, raises a very interesting question, though. And, uh, another thing they didn't really fully develop is, um, uh, at least at at uh, parts of the film, it looks like they could have explored what it would mean and what it would be like for you to have hybrid persons, one per one one human body containing two persons who are actually melding. And sharing their first-person memories, and their personality traits, and their physical skills, etc., yeah, etc. You know, which is something done in a movie like Being John Malkovich, or even though we talked about way long ago, Get Out. But yeah, you know, not with this one quite. Yeah, they don't quite do it. Um, I, I, I did like the, and it comes across in the uh, title. I, I did like the, uh, the. Uh, character arc i guess of uh uh damien he does go from kind of just being a a guy that just loves exerting power over others um and exerting his own skills and business to being somebody that's willing to sacrifice himself in order for uh mark to reunite with his family you see at some point he's decided this is what i'm going to do he makes that videotape for mark to see as he wakes up and he's yeah. back in his body i liked that and, and at the same time having said that at the same time uh, again um they needed to develop damien's character further to make it a little yeah. more believable yeah, that's what I, I thought that's one of the main complaints too is that his transformation to becoming this you know wealthy mogul to cold-hearted mogul to this guy who does this selfless act you don't you don't quite buy it like what you know you yeah. don't quite it's see too... what what the draw what the big turning point was unless you guess it's the hallucinations it, it, well that and and they needed to work in the interplay of his uh, strange relationship with his daughter claire uh, claire 
they could have worked that where he developed sympathy for this family, not only because he's living Mark's experiences to some extent, and I, I would assume his love too, but also his estrangement with his daughter. They briefly show that he, he attempts to, uh, and he, he does repair it as uh, Mark. He poses as a friend of Damien's, you know, and he mm-hmm. delivers this letter instead of trying to buy her off with cash at the end. But again, it happens too quickly. And you wanted to, there to be some sort of a dialogue there, a little more of a hefty dialogue between Mark and uh, Claire. Um, never quite happens. Mm-hmm. Um, it could have even been the case that he could have made a videotape for her like he did for Mark, right? And And explaining, you know, Hi, this is this is your father in this man's body. I mean, they another lost opportunity. Yeah, another lost opportunity. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Philosophy at the Movies. You can find this podcast and more podcasts produced by the Stockdale Center by visiting the Radio Stockdale page at usna.edu. This program is hosted by Radio Stock. There, you can also listen to their podcasts such as Ethics and the Naval Warrior and the Do Over. If you like this podcast, you might be interested in my other podcast, Real Sounds. Each episode, I dedicate to classic movie soundtracks. That can be found online at soundofcinema.automatic.com. So until next time, I'm Alex Baker. And I'm Sean Baker. Saying so long, be sure to catch us next time on Philosophy at the Movies. Philosophy at the Movies.